0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Comic Source Podcast. This is another Kickstarter spotlight. A real treat for you today. We're going to be talking about uh, a Kickstarter who's uh, already finished its campaign, but it well exceeded its uh, campaign uh, initial goal. And we even had Jim Starlin on to uh, the legendary Jim Starlin to talk about it uh, while the campaign was going on. But now uh, it's all completed. It's about to start going out to the backers where uh, there's even going to be some uh, copies available in comic stores. So we wanted to have Jim back on uh, to talk about that. And he's being joined uh, by James Jameson, who also uh, contributed to uh, the project as well. And she's going to have some uh, insight. So, uh, first of all, thank you to so much for joining me. It's uh, it's great to see you.
1: It's a pleasure to be here. Um, and. The book actually exists, you know, it's no longer just a JPEG, so uh, we can uh, actually <laughs> show it off here now.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't wait to, uh, to have it on my, on my shelf, so, uh, and it's always a pleasure to talk to, to Jim. I, I think I've told you this, Jim, um, you were my bucket list guy to get on my podcast for the, for the longest time, and you finally made that happen at San Diego uh, 2018, and it was, uh, it was just a pleasure, so it's, it's always great to have you uh, on the show. Uh, but this is the first time for you, Jamie so uh for people who may not be familiar with you and your work, do you want to give a, a quick intro uh about you know what it is you've done uh, past work and what you contributed to uh, the dread star returns?
2: um Well, I started out um with uh American gods. I actually did photography and modeled for the female characters with Scott Hampton and P.K. Russell and um so started in with more like the layouts and the design and such um. And then worked with a couple other artists and then Keith Gippen. And um, I um, got poached by Jim here. So I've done a few things, but uh, this was the first major project.
0: Awesome. And uh, and how did you find it? Was it great to learn from a, a legend and, and kind of pick his brain and, you know, well, She didn't learn much from me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, she was on the other side of the country Um uh... We ought to give a little bit of history on this. Uh, she's actually quite responsible for this book being happening, period. Uh, about four years ago, I blew a big hole in my hand mm-hmm. with a uh, compressed air accident. And I I just quit dr- drawing. I couldn't draw. I had five minutes uh, with the pencil in my hand. It was cramping up. And I'd have to go soak at nights. So... Um, But all that time, I was doing these ball exercises, squeezing the ball and doing everything Mm -hmm. I could to improve it. And later on, I was working on uh, the digital files for the Dreadstar Omnibus. And I worked with a stylist, so I was working a little bit, but I didn't think my hand was getting any better. And uh, Jamie came along and started bugging me, not for a Thanos sketch, but for a Dr. Doom sketch. mean. (laughs) How inappropriate can you get? <laughs> uh, so, uh, so I eventually, uh, after one of these conventions where she had been honing me unmercifully, um, I sat down and uh, did this Dr. June sketch. And uh, to my surprise, it was it. my hand didn't cramp up. I'd been doing enough stuff over the three-year period that it was actually working again. And so... Gave her the sketch and uh, decided I was going to try and do some other drawings. And I did some convention drawings. And she was happening to be showing up at the conventions with Keith Giffen. She had been his inker. And uh, I said, "How would you like?" I and mean, Keith didn't show up. Keith at the didn't show. make
2: it to the show, so I was like,
1: so I "Gave her the sketches to ink." I, I was very impressed by him. Uh, we later did some posters together and a Middleman cover. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when it was time to do uh, Dress Star, I finally decided to do Dress Star Returns. I approached her and said, "How would you like to do 100 pages?" And uh, asked her, to she stop gasping and carrying on?" Uh, I got an answer, <laughs> and, and then the tears and wailing began because <laughs> uh, confidence was wasn't her big suit at the beginning here. <laughs> uh but she she kept working at it, and uh I've been pleased right from the beginning uh uh and impressed because uh twenty pages into the job she got her first case of uh, covid nineteen and got a second one down the line yeah uh so- we nearly lost her a couple of times and uh but she's hung in there and uh, has been a major
2: Contributing force to this book from like, the start. Jim will kill me if I don't finish this book. <laughs> <laughs> Even if I'm already dead. If you die, I'm never going to talk to you. Anymore.
0: Well, I think the first time we had Jim uh, on to talk about uh, the the project, you were at that time sick, and, and Jim mentioned that he was getting a little bit ahead on pencils because you weren't able uh, to work. So uh, glad to hear you're doing yeah, better. Falling
1: down on the job.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs>
2: completely terrible,
0: terrible. Ter- 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 <laughs> uh, I and I do find it interesting, you know, you did mention there, Jim, you know, first of all, um, and we talked about this the last time you were on, how pleased uh, your fans are that you're back at the drawing table, you know, we're getting Jim a start on art again. Uh, but you did mention that you've uh, started working, you know, digitally now as opposed to, you know, just paper and pencil, like, you know, back in the day. Uh, have you found that, how have you found that that transition when you started to to switch over to digital? And is it, is it just for kind of ease of, of making corrections and, and just in terms of efficiency?
2: Not
1: digital. No, yeah. I'm not completely digital. I still pencil out on an analog basis and she inks it on the board gotcha. and then we okay. scan. And then the digital part comes in. Uh, I enjoy the latter part because it's the coloring. And at the end of the day, I'm not covered with multiple pigments. I can go down stairs and, have dinner and uh, not have to scrape for a week for you before I can uh, be socially acceptable again. Um, you know, it's it's a different world now. I mean, uh, the lettering is no longer done on the pages like it used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but we uh, start off very uh, old-fashioned, uh, you
2: know. It's literally... On the the board, on the the paper, and then inks go down.
0: Oh, fantastic! <laughs> so that means for all the original art collectors out there, there are uh, original pages, which is always a a great thing to hear. Uh, but yeah, wanna... that was the
2: thing. It's like how I mean, I I understand why people. It's so much faster to do probably digital and everything but then you don't have the original art so <laughs> yeah
0: it, yeah as as an original art lover it, it, I always lament like I, I will never begrudge somebody for doing something that's uh quicker and allows them to spend more time with their family instead of drawing you know 14 hours a day especially when you have to make changes um but let me ask you this Jamie um it sounds like you, you two really got into a groove uh, on the project um did you feel right away that your inking style could bring a lot to to Jim's pencils was there any kind of transitional period where you're sort of getting used to his line work or did you feel like you you kind of clicked right away
2: well I mean it's it's all a learning process as I go I've not you know I didn't go to the Kubert school I'm not um I haven't been inking my whole life or anything like that um I have a lot of friends that are just super talented and when I have questions I have people I can go to um Joel Adams has been like a, my biggest cheerleader I couldn't ask for anybody to be in my corner more to you know, when I have those moments because I'm in California, I would go over to the meal store and uh, I'd work there because it was a place I could go and work, especially after being sick for so long. The last place I wanted to be was in my house anymore. Right. So it was like a safe space to be where I could work and use the copier, make some blue lines and practice if I didn't know how to handle something. So I wouldn't say like I just yeah, I'm going to be great. I think there was more like what he was saying, like the uh, confidence was like this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, she would uh, call up and go. I just can't do this. Uh, I, I, I just, I, I suck. I'm never going to be able to pull this off. <laughs> and I'd go, I understand, I understand completely. Uh, will you be able to still get me a page tomorrow so I can color it? And I'm sending you ten more pages. <laughs> I just completely ignored her, and she she carried on, and it, it worked out just fine.
2: Yeah, he'd <laughs> be like, I'm bored of penciling. I need to color. I need another page. Yes, please.
1: <laughs> yeah, have your breakdown later. Can you please just be productive? <laughs>
0: So was that, uh, Jim, was that um, basically a function of you being uh, in the industry for so long? And, and even if, if Jamie maybe didn't believe it, you believed in the talent, like you you knew that she could do it?
1: Well, she was doing the job. I mean, it was obvious that she was doing the job. It was just... Uh ego and that uh, or lack thereof ego right.
2: also oh. the the being sick part yeah i'm a long hauler like <laughs> it's that. The, you know the, you've heard about the long haulers. oh yeah that long hauler stuff is no fun so if you had a bad day you have really bad days so like and it got to the point where eventually it was like i start laughing at myself if i i remember one day just i put down the worst line i've ever put down and started laughing so hard i started crying and everybody around just sort of they were like, What's so funny? And I was like, look at that line I just put down. Then I start crying, Joel starts crying. Everybody's like crying, so I'm laughing at myself at this point. And it was just like, okay, it's okay to just like make a mistake here or there. But like, <laughs> of course, you don't want to say that in front of the penciler, but white paint.
0: Well, now that <laughs> it's all now that it's all done and it looks beautiful, then you know, happy mistakes. Uh one of the things that you mentioned last time we we had you on, Jim was. Um, you were talking about, uh, getting ahead on the pencils and, uh, you, you didn't have everything scripted. You, you had uh, a little bit of leeway and you talked about the fact that you always like to leave yourself room to be spontaneous. And you thought you might even have room in this project to go back in and maybe change some, uh, single pages to double page spreads, uh, maybe expand a little bit and kind of, uh, show off some of those awesome, uh, Jim Starlin, uh, kind of, you know, collages and, and, uh, montages and whatnot did you end up with the space for that did, did you get to really kind of expand
1: yes uh, there was a lot of improvisation as we went along um we're quite a ways into the next book actually There's another graphic novel this one called uh star versus the inevitable i'm like 60 pages some odd pages into it and she's uh, still in the early teens in the inking but um uh, I've already, in this one, uh, decided I needed two more pages at the beginning that I didn't have. So I'm going to have to go through the files and move everything up two pages. No, I love this fact that of late working for Marvel or DC, they want uh, a hammered out plot synopsis. And if you vary from it in the least, they freak out. I always liked working where I could... When I was doing Captain Marvel, I would go in and talk to Roy Thomas and I'd say, well, this issue, uh, Captain Marvel versus the super scrolling, go go for it. Because he just had too much stuff that he didn't have time to put up with uh, a lengthy discussion. And he trusted me to go off and do a good story. And so I always had the ability for a long time to just throw things in. Uh, There's a character in Captain Marvel called Ian. Uh, He's sort of a floating head with a face on one side, a big eye on the other, and the rest of its dirt looks like a piece of dung hanging in space with hair on top. And he came out of me walking home from a party one night and seeing a grease stain on a garbage bag. And I saw that, and I saw the character fully rendered at that point, went home and added him immediately to the Captain Marvel Metamorphosis story, Uh, working with 100 pages and not having to answer to anybody, I'm able to do much of the same thing. Uh, I can change at the last moment. And if I want to throw out a page or so, who's going to stop me? You know, um, I'm doing one book a year, but that's the plan. And uh, I want it to be the best book that it can be. And if, uh, you know, we're going to do some spontaneous uh, retrofitting on things as we go along, you know, we'll do it. Um, Jamie's seen this in the in the works, and uh, she doesn't freak out too badly about it.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: not at all, actually. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> She's she just okay, it's going to work sooner or later. You know, I mean, <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, I think it worked out fairly well with *Dreadstar* returns. Uh, we had a lot of things we had to work with, such as twenty-five years between issues, and I didn't want to have a lot of exposition as to who the character was. So a lot of it was work so anyone could come in and start on Dreadstar Returns and not feel that they were missing out on a lot of history, even though we were letting them know that there was a lot of history to miss out on. Uh, You could go on and I think we've been able to successfully have a first time reader come in and enjoy Dreadstar Returns as much as uh, someone who's been with it from the beginning.
0: And do you want to, uh, for for fans of of Dreadstar, you know, for its whole run and and for new uh, people that may be coming on, do you want to quickly give a, a kind of a recap of of what this story is that's that's bringing Vanth back to uh, the comic page?
1: Okay, well, Vanth has always been a uh, anarchist without a second act. Uh, he's good at breaking things and never been very good at uh, living in a society that's functioning. Uh, he's learned how to. Uh, to do that, basically, uh, he's learned how to uh, put his uh, more destructive urges to a constructive use. And he's split he's into this society uh, of the Willow Consortium in its own his own unique way. He's still very much the outsider. And when this uh, peril to the very heart of the Willow Consortium in the home planet of Al- Al- Alterix uh, arises, uh, he's pulled back to it and uh, has to use his powers and uh, his friends, which include Eddie the Catman and Willow, uh, who is, at the beginning of the story, a uh, part of the digital platform that runs the whole empire. Uh, they all have to work together with a few other characters to solve the mystery of what is threatening their universe and how to deal with it, because it's all a big mystery to begin with. And uh, as it goes along, you find out it's an unrequited love story. And there's very little more I can tell than that without ruining for you.
0: Oh, yeah, we, de- we definitely don't want to do spoilers. Um, I mean, I, I, so I've, I, I got my digital copies. Obviously, I, I backed the, the Kickstarter and I, I look forward to getting it. And I got this, the, the guidebook as, as well. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I can't wait to get my, my hands on the physical copy and, and sit down and enjoy it. Um, but what's interesting to me is, as you mentioned at the end of the graphic novel, we're, we're teased for the, for the next one. And, and you mentioned it, um, already. Um, now last time you were on, you talked about going back to Dreadstar and you had an idea for the last Dreadstar story. Um, but then you, you stuck it in a drawer because in your words, you, you said, well, we may be having, you know, TV or movie stuff. Uh, coming down the pipe, maybe not the best time to tell the last Dread Star story. So you decided to tell this one first. You didn't at the time mention that maybe you had some other ideas before. Didn't have last those
1: one. stories in mind at the time.
0: That, well, that's mm-hmm. what I was going to ask. Has working uh, on this one spurred more ideas of more Dread Star tales?
1: Yes. I mean, life itself is a generator of ideas. Um, This is very much our pandemic book. We did it throughout the quarantine. Uh, Half the team suffered mightily from uh, the the malady. Um, The next book is past the quarantine. We have an outside life again, but it's (laughs) going to be very much about uh, the pandemic. Uh, Dreadstar versus the inevitable is going to be about Accepting the fact that you cannot control everything in life and some of it is going to either run you over and destroy you or you learn how to go with the flow and survive and uh, basically the inevitable the nameless is uh, it's basically the pandemic in a physical form coming at an entire universe on a cosmic level so uh, it's going to be a kick ass story. I'm having a lot of fun with it already.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, there is a certain feel uh, to a Jim Starlin story, uh, Jamie. So uh, I, I know you're you're probably very uh, aware of that. Um, is there anything that you do differently when you're working on Jim's line work as opposed to to somebody else that kind of captures that that feel, or is it more just? you know, you, you kind of go with the flow of the page. Is, is there anything you do differently with, uh, with Jim's line work?
2: I mean, I kind of just go with the flow. There's, there's always something, you know, some new element or something that's going on in the pages where you just kind of go with it. Um, especially because he, he does use all these cosmic backgrounds on on certain things. And the lighting is going to be a little different than say like a, you know, like a, in, in a ship than just, you know, everyday life or, so, I mean, it's just going to go with what's given on the page um, and go from there.
0: <laughs> so it's almost just like it, the the style of that feel that I'm talking about of Jim Starlin book. It, it's just there in the pages already and you just have to. Oh, like,
2: I try to stick to like what, I mean, definitely try to stick to the old Jim Starlin, you know, the back back in the day stuff, of course. But like, you know, there's also, I'm not Jim, so right. <laughs> I'm not going to be exactly the same. So It you
1: bring your own style to it and she didn't realize it at the beginning but you know part of the job of an inker is adding to the pencils right just doing exactly what's down there is that's not contributing to anything right and so she was sneaking in corrections to, to, you know, if the face wasn't quite right, she'd fix it and hope I wouldn't notice. And you know, of course, I noticed, and I was going, "This is great." And uh, eventually, she got to realize that this is actually a collaboration, not an enslavement. And uh, we've—it's—it's uh, it, it's expanded out. We have much more than just a uh, pencil and ink or relationship. Uh, uh, I, I bounce ideas off her all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, she's very uh, she's very upfront about uh, in your criticism of things I mean it's very constructive criticism she didn't like Willow you know she didn't like the way Willow looked maybe back
2: then when Willow was around back then but I was like she's this is not sexy now this is not I'm sorry like she's got to change with the times what's up with that hair and he was like Gibson girl I was like like Debbie Gibson? <laughs> I had no idea what he was talking about.
1: <laughs> so uh, I started getting deluged with all these JPEGs, uh, hairstyles mm-hmm. and warm-up suits and boots. Mm-hmm. I got a million damn boots. <laughs> <laughs> and we worked things out and uh, she helped me design that. And uh, once, <coughs> speaking of Willow and the uh, human anatomy, I um, you know everybody's got their strong suit, and my female figures are not the strongest in the world sometimes i i have, I have to work on them I admit it I mean a lot of folks like Steve Ditko and you know Kirby and Matt you know they they don't haven't done the the, the most exotic female forms but um she's my regulator i've uh, decided to start calling her the brazar <laughs> well, you can tell her you're a part of it here
2: well. Willow's breast kept changing sizes there'd be balloons in one panel and then (laughs) she'd be a bee cup and I'm like dude (laughs) <laughs> just give her one size and stick to it. And I was like, I guess because you don't have your own. I mean, <laughs> if mine just kept changing size, I wouldn't have a bra to wear. <laughs> right. Yep. It became an ongoing joke. So. <laughs>
1: yeah. so she's she's the breast regulator at this point. Fantastic. That's that's such a great story. And I, I'm and I'm glad to hear that one that we can tell kids, but you know, right, all you're, right you know, for adult things.
0: Exactly exactly well well that's great i mean to your point jim that's exactly what an anchor is supposed to do right like make those corrections bring in textures be additive and and to your uh to your point earlier about her actually you know adding to the story and, and being there as somebody that you can bounce ideas off of that that's fantastic it's only it's only there to help the, the the story right it's all in service to telling the best story that you can
1: and it makes it more funny working too i mean you gotta have fun working if not it's work right yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. As as readers, as fans, we can always tell when a uh, creative team is is passionate about something. Number one, and if they're having fun, that comes out in the story and makes it uh makes it a lot better as well.
2: Yeah, we had a lot of fun with
0: this one. Yeah, the spice. minus COVID. The spice you're dying. Yeah. Right. Right. Despite you almost died. Yeah, despite
2: almost
1: died. Other than here. that, other, other other than that, there's a Lincoln. How was the show? <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: Well, uh, I mentioned the guidebook earlier. That's something else that was part of the campaign. And I, I think it's a great resource, especially for for those who may not be as familiar with Dreadstar. Um, and I know that you weren't necessarily as involved with getting all those things together, Jim. But uh, now that it, the guidebook is finished as well, uh, once you saw the the, the f- kind of the final product, uh, were you real pleased with how it turned out? Yes, I, I
1: wasn't very enthusiastic about the whole idea to begin with, because you know, I, I always thought it was something that you did for like Marvel or DC that had 20, 30, 50 years of continuity. But then I suddenly realized, well, I do have 25 years of continuity <laughs> here. And uh, Bob Greenberger, who is the, one of the comic book historians, him and Jim Cowell at Salicrot. Uh, But Bob uh, took this project on and he has done a bang up job. Uh, Phil Smith who is the visual and tech person up at uh, at uh, ominous did a great job in the design uh, everybody involved with it Bart Sears who is also the art director up there uh, got his hand in on it and uh, I uh, my part was basically looking it over and saying, yeah, this is terrific. (laughs) And they've done a really good job. Uh, We haven't got our copies of it yet.
2: Yeah. I haven't seen the guidebook in hand,
1: but JPEG's at this point so far. So I'm looking forward to that one also.
0: Yeah, me me too. Um, Now, we did mention that the Kickstarter is it has been completed, but if you go to the Kickstarter page, there's still a way to to buy the book. And then uh, I was also informed that it's going to be in in, in comic stores. So are you guys directly distributing? Do you, do you, can you give us any info on on how that's going to work?
1: Not really at this point. Uh, it's not finalized. I don't know exactly what's happening. Uh, I know it's going to be getting into the comic book shops uh when and where and how is still not set uh but in the meantime it both books are available by just going to ominous.com no,
2: ominouspress.com.
1: ominouspress.com that's why i keep her around <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh she always corrected me
2: uh,
1: yeah uh but uh, we you could get it there and uh, we should uh Anything more I should be adding on that? I
2: mean, we... mm, no, or keeping everybody over at all on us busy. I know World well, Mars has been busy. <laughs> yeah,
1: know, so we were, you can get it that way, but it will eventually be in the comic book shops I too. I
2: think it ships out to the Kickstarter folks on June 1st, is what we learned today.
0: <laughs> gotcha.
1: Yeah, we're supposed to be getting it overnight tomorrow on the signing plates that we're supposed to get. Uh, so it's they're not out to the uh, everybody. The people just bought the regular books; they're getting them already, I think. But the ones yeah. who got the special things, like the signed plate and stuff like that, uh, yeah, have we haven't signed them yet. You haven't got them yet, yeah. in case you hadn't noticed. And uh, they will be coming out.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I think everybody's digital, probably, because I got my digital earlier this week. The digital moment, okay. yeah. So, uh, everybody, I'll, I'll put a link. I'm going to put a link both to the, the campaign page so you can go and look because there's a lot of information there. And like I said, there is a, there is a link there and it probably goes to the Ominous Press, uh, site where you can, you can still order it, even if you didn't get to, uh, participate in the campaign. So, but I'll also put a link to the ominouspress.com site as well, just to be sure. Um, so it should be, should be covered there. And then when I, when I do get more info about when it might be in comic shops, I'm sure we'll be mentioned in it, uh, you know, when, when it hits and on our new comic book, uh, episodes and whatnot so uh, all of that will be be forthcoming um you mentioned jim being 60 pages into this uh the the next one uh and planning on doing one a year um how far it sounds like you're a little further along with this one as opposed uh, with the next one rather um as opposed to when you started the campaign for uh for the dread star returns is that is that accurate Oh um. there's a
2: pandemic. Yeah, there was. <laughs> yeah,
1: the pandemic over the last has made me very productive. Uh, quarantine, rather, has made me very productive. Um, I'm trying to remember what I had done. I think I had at least thirty pages of pencils when we did uh, did the Kickstarter. I, I know I I just kept working at it. I, I knew I was going to do this. So mm-hmm. whatever the Kickstarter we were hoping that the Kickstarter would make up enough money just to get us the print costs. We were trying for, I think it was $18,000 and yeah. we went over a hundred. So, uh,
2: also you've been drawing now you're drawing so regularly that your hand is probably getting back into it.
1: Yeah. I've slowed things up. I've just, uh, relocated from New York to, I'm out here in LA right at the moment. And, uh, you yeah, know, so that's slowed things up a bit, but I'm, I've still 60 pages into it already. And, uh, um, producing here, so it's going to continue on.
0: Uh, Fantastic. I, and the only reason I ask is just because, you know, the not that to put too much pressure on you, but the faster that we can get these, you know, the better in terms of for the fans, right? Like, we I don't think that's happy. pressure
2: on him, I think that's more pressure on me. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> wow, faster, faster, faster. Let's get
0: those inks out.
2: Next, I'll hear, I need to come with
0: Yes. <laughs> well, to, to Jamie's point, now that you've been back at the, the drawing table for an extended period of time, have you noticed that you've been getting uh, a little faster?
1: Yeah, and I've learned some tricks uh, that have helped, you know, I mean, there are certain things uh, as far as reference that you didn't have in the old days. If I need a uh, uh, anything in particular, uh, I just Google an image of it and I have the reference for it. Um I'm actually working with uh, uh, a program called Poser or DAS 3D. And that's a big help for...
2: A certain somebody told
1: you. Yeah, certain somebody <laughs> told me about it. She wants credit. She gets it. Uh, and that's helped, uh, you know, facilitate and make it a lot quicker. I mean, uh, if I can just throw this figure, you know, as I'm not going to get a finished drawing out of it. I'm going to get a figure that was in the position that I want. In general, and uh, I'll sit down there and pencil it and make the changes and put on the features and stuff like that. But it saves me a lot of time from having to go through all the construction of the figure and that. Uh, so it's it's a time saver, and so things do go a little bit quicker than they did in the old days. Yes, yeah, that's... I'm a little bit smarter. Doubtful, <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just th- yeah, it's th- <laughs> my support th- team here. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I mean, yeah. I mean, it is so interesting that the digital tools now, the, you know, like you said, you can Google reference of a car, a, you know, a pig, a toaster, a building, you know, whatever it's, it's, it's all out there now. It, it's just, it's just to the, to the benefit of, of the artist, which I find to be interesting. Uh, but the other part about this, and, and you've been doing this for so long and your line work has always been, you know, beautiful. So some of the, I think I had told you this before, you were one of the first artists who's, who's, art i could re- recognize like i'm like oh that's jim starlin i'm buying that um <laughs> I've, I've heard so many artists say but you do never s- want to stop learning and uh evolving and make sure that you continue to improve is you know you've been doing this so long do you still find that to be true
1: okay oh jamie can attest to this uh, the other day when we got the books in uh, about two or day, two or three days later, I finally sit down and look at it, and all as I can see is the things I hate. Just
2: crazy. he's like, I could have changed this, I could have changed that, and I was like, This is why this could have
1: been done better.
2: Is uh, my thing is, you, if you feel like you're a master and you love your, you know, like I'm constantly learning. If I'm not learning them, I'm I'm dead because like there's always more to learn. But yeah, like I, I like I try not to judge the past stuff or look back at stuff or like like. I, I do music as well, so like criticize music, and I could have done this differently, or why didn't I do? Th- you're always going to want to change it. You're never going to be fully happy with yourself unless you're a complete narcissist. So
1: yeah, every every artist is worth his what goes through that when the job finally comes out, and uh, we all know it. We all know that it, you'll get past it, but during that day that you're doing it, you're going, like, "Oh shit, I should have stayed on the assembly line in Detroit.
2: You know?
1: <laughs> no. I would have had a better life that way." <laughs>
0: yeah I do oh, hear no, that I think
2: a lot of people would be really upset if you did that yeah, <laughs> yes. never, never <laughs> yeah. World,
0: worldwide, worldwide. Um, <laughs> but yes, I do hear that from a lot of artists. Um, at some point you you've got to stop noodling. you know there is there are deadlines, you've got to be just not necessarily hundred percent satisfied, but just willing to let go of a particular piece and and move on. Um, but again, like I, I totally agree with what you said, Jamie. If you, once you stop learning and stop moving and you're stagnated, you might, you're not, you're not living anymore.
2: Right. And that's exactly it. Like, I mean, I can't sit here, like I said, I didn't go to the Hubert School. I don't know everything there is to know about inking. I'm, I'm lucky I've got friends like Scott Hanna, who I do like a weekly, we chat for like two hours a week sometimes. And I'll just go over stuff that I like ask technical questions or, you know, like, is it's good to ask questions and especially when it's a more intellectual side of things. Like I understand what it's supposed to look like, but why? Once you understand the why's and Oh, Oh, ding, 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 you know, like it, it helps understand those types of things. So
0: learning. And the other aspect of this, uh, this kind of evolution that I, I wanted to ask you about Jim is is also in terms of, of the story, right? I feel like you've always been ahead of your time and wanting to really Get into the motivation of characters we, we talked about that last time and and you know really taking almost a, a philosophical kind of uh, angle at these characters and and bringing in some of the questions that about what it means to be human and to be in the relationship and and to care and it, certainly since the start of your career to where we are now the world has changed quite a bit in terms of uh you know equality and things like that and there's there still so many battles and still so far to go um but to me, you've always been so aware of that. Um, do you feel like that still really informs your work and, and kind of spurs you on to want to tell these stories and bring in these aspects of what it means to be a living, breathing being?
1: I don't know anybody who's perfect. And uh, perfect characters inside literature are boring characters. Uh I love the flaws. The flaws are what gives it texture. Uh, Dreadstar and his magic sword is pretty cool on the emotional on the on the surface level, but he's really interesting because he's a mass of contradictions. Uh, you know, he he, he starts off uh, in his story. Uh, wiping out all the polar bears of, his, of this planet because it, they killed his parents. Uh, then he uh, becomes a farmer. And when that doesn't work out, he becomes this butcher of kings. Uh, the fact that he's so inconsistent has always been mm-hmm. his consistent element. And that's what makes him interesting. Uh, G Darklock uh, sacrifices the woman of his dreams in order to attain a goal that uh, not everyone would say is honorable. Uh, I find these people are the most interesting, and I would want to read about them more than uh, I want to read about the guy who's going to do the right thing every time. And uh, your basic, your best characters have been the ones that are ripe with contradictions. Uh, Batman is a psycho who's doing good. Um, you know uh, Spider-Man is a guilt-ridden teenager who's never going to get over to screwing up with his uncle you know uh, these are all uh, flaws that make these people these characters lovable to us
0: so that's where I'm sort of on that one give me the pimples (laughs) (laughs) well to to your point um, Superman is kind of hard to relate to you know like I don't have that massive uh, ability that he does. And I, I struggle, you know, I'm not going to choose the right thing every time, you know, it's hard. It, it, it's, you know, for us as humans, to your point, it's impossible for us to make the right choice every time. And it makes it hard
1: to write a character like that. Superman is very difficult to write and make it good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah I, I would say as a writer, it's probably hard to find a touch point to get into understanding the character. And as, as readers, again, it's, it's hard to relate. So.
1: Uh, the more complex the character is, uh, he is easier to write. Uh, I worked over at Marvel on The, the Punisher, and they said there's two rules. If he's on a page with a character within a few uh, pages, that character has to die horribly. Second rule, if he's in has an object in the uh, panel with him somewhere along the line in the next few pages, it's got to be blown up. <laughs> and that's the only direction they gave me on this character. I went, how boring this half And I, so I immediately went off and made him a psycho instead. More of a psycho, a more complex psycho.
0: Yeah, I agree. Any hard, any hard and fast rules, you're removing the spontaneity that you talked about that you love so much about telling stories.
2: Yeah.
0: So that's... Oh. Uh, the, the Look at thing.
2: Thanos. He's pretty complex. <laughs> oh, my
0: God. Thanos, yeah. we Thanos is maybe one of the most complex characters uh, ever created in, in comics, and it's what makes him so interesting.
1: Yeah, I can overdo it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> See, I actually agree with a lot of Thanos' um, ideas in certain ways, so he thinks I'm really sick in the fact that... She scares me sometimes. <laughs> she really scares me sometimes.
0: Well, though no, I hear Jamie say that, and I'm just thinking, well, I'm glad the uh, Infinity Gems aren't real then. <laughs> if she got her hands on those, we'd all be in trouble.
2: Actually, I do have a set. I just haven't installed them on the gauntlet yet. <laughs>
0: uh, that's that's fantastic. Uh, well, one last thing I want to uh, touch on, uh, getting back to the... the um, the graphic novel Dreadstar Returns, uh, you you did kind of briefly mention it, Jim, that you're you're doing the color work uh, as well over uh, Jamie's inks. Um, I think I've heard you say before that you enjoy doing the color work because it's so kind of relaxing and it's sort of that final touch on the book to sort of set the mood. Um, So, you know, the fact that you were getting to do that over your own pencils uh, for this project was there? Can you talk a little bit about that? Was, did it feel like coming home? Was it really enjoyable uh, as it had been in the past?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of times when I was at Marvel in DC, there were production schedules and that, and I couldn't do that. I would do backgrounds, digital backgrounds that other colorists would finish off on the Thanos books and what have you. Uh, but this, you know, I've had the time to sit down from start to finish and uh, because of that I can, a lot of times I I design the page up with the idea that it may be kind of skimpy on the pencils because I know that a lot of what I want is, is going to be better served doing it digitally. Mm-hmm. And so I um, and it is, I mean, color is so intricate. I mean, your inks have a tremendous amount to do with how, uh, how the book will look in that. Uh, the color has a lot to do with how the book will feel. Right, uh, And so it's something I'm, I I just love doing. Like oh, you said, it's the final stage. Um, there's no lettering on it at that point. Uh, and so I have to sort of visualize that as I'm doing it. But that's basically figuring out where the white, the white holes in your right. painting is going to be, and uh, no, but I, 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 it is my, it mm-hmm. is probably my favorite part of the job, the most relaxing.
0: Yeah. Fantastic, that's fantastic. Uh, well, I want to thank you too for your time. Uh, it's been amazing. I can't wait to get the the hard copies in my hand of uh, of these books. I'm very happy, Jim, that in doing this, you've been inspired and and discovered you have more stories to tell with uh, with Vanth. And so we look forward to uh, to future campaigns. Uh, as we're winding up here, Jim, is there anything else that you want uh, our listeners and your fans to know?
1: Um, no, I think you pretty well covered everything. Um, you can
2: thank them for buying the
1: book. Uh, yes, thank you. For, well, <laughs> thank you for buying the book. Thank you for keeping me alive over the last X number of decades. So, uh, you know, we will see you out there on the convention circuit soon. Uh, we are coming back to normal. We have gotten through this together and we will get through what is coming together, folks. So, Let's uh, get back to used to getting back to smiling and uh, seeing what the bottom part of our faces look like
0: again. A hundred percent. I know Jim's not very active on social media, but what about you, Jamie? Is there, uh, is there anywhere on, online that people should follow you if they want to um, get news about your work that you're doing with Jim?
2: Um, yeah, I, I'm on Instagram. It's James Jameson. It's actually James' male name. Um, I'm on Facebook. Um, and I'm also on uh, Twitter. I don't, I have not been very active on my social media since all this started as, you know, being sick for so long. And, you know, we're just now starting to open up in California. So I didn't think people wanted to see pictures of um, my animals all the time or the inside of my house. So there wasn't a lot to post, but now I'll, I'll be more active. So.
0: Great. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll, everybody, I'll put links to Jamie's uh, social media, her, uh, her Instagram and Twitter in the show notes as well. So you can go uh, click there and, and give her a follow. Uh, and, and, and remember there, uh, even though the campaign is over, uh, ominouspress.com, where you can still get these books, I will let everybody know when they're in comic shops. Um, and, you know, certainly, uh, Jim, Jamie, uh, when the campaign comes down for, uh, you know, come down the line for the next uh, a book, the next uh, tale of Dreadstar, we're always happy to have you back on to uh, to chat about it. So. Awesome. Awesome. We look
2: forward to it. You'll be there. Thanks for
0: having us. All right. right. And to you uh, listeners and viewers, we appreciate your support as always and for joining us. And we will talk to you next time. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple.